Standby like use 2 through 33, sound 1A through 7 on deck. Standby Q actors. Electrics, kill the blue run lights, please. Like you 2 and sound 1A. Go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hang and Focus. I'm your host, Sean Daniels. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm here with my wonderful associate and co-host, Chanel Bragg. Welcome to the show, Chanel. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. We've missed you. Been a couple of weeks, but we are so excited to be here today. I know. I feel I haven't actually been on the show in about a month or in COVID times. Feels like four years, right, since I've last been here. So I'm so thrilled to be back. No, for sure. Um, I do want to bring out we wanted to talk at first with Jerry Wright, who is our managing director extraordinaire. So let's go ahead and bring Jerry on out to the show. Hey there. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Um, so the, there's lots to discuss, but this week, you know, we announced on Monday that we were going to be uh, pausing our plans to return. Um, I can say a little bit about it, but I didn't know also if you wanted to go first. Yeah, well, yeah, I can just kind of kick it off. I think it, you know, we unfortunately, we knew it could be a possibility. We were we were making a run for January, there's no doubt. And we had every intention. And as we watch the COVID numbers increase, it's just not, it's too risky. We can't keep everybody safe. Um, and so we unfortunately made the decision. Um, but that doesn't mean we're, you know, the stage may be dark, but that doesn't mean we're not working behind the scenes. So but it was a tough decision. I have to say it wasn't, it was, um, you know, you and I labored over it for a while. Um, but it, it, it was, um, purposeful, but it was also, um, a difficult decision to make because we're just itching to get back to stage and into production. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I think, um, you know, for so many of us, this is the longest break we have had of making art in our lives. Um, you know, and so I think we were all hungry to get back as fast as we could. But, I, you know, we just had this conversation. We're watching the numbers grow. Actually, in Arizona, there's now consistently been a 100% increase for the last 14 days. And it just felt like at some point, if we can't offer our um, artists or our staff or our audience a safe place to be able to gather, and especially with vaccines on the way, right? Like we're all reading vaccine news each day about what's coming out or what's being approved. So if it feels like we are we are within being able to see when we can return, let's not push it, right? A couple more months of being able to do it, I think will help us. Now, I think what's exciting is that for the spring, you know, we've already, we've been very lucky in that we have this fantastic online uh group that we've been able to put together, people that are able to join us, right? We did, you know, somewhere between 17 and 24,000 people watch our online events to be able to do things. And so we're going to use the spring to be able to focus on giving our audience a backstage look at the process that we do, right? So between, we have Justice, which is the musical about Justice Sandra Day O'Connor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Those artists have been grateful and said, like, let's open up the process. Let's let people know how a musical gets made. Um, you know, we have the team from eight year old boyfriend wants to also do the same to be able to do it. We have the, we have a, I don't know if we talked about this yet. So we're doing also the Heath by Lauren Gunderson, who's America's most produced playwright and her and John Larroquette, who Tony award winner and beloved comedian from night court are doing that. And we're putting out a very polished version of, of that to be able to do. So we have a tremendous amount to put out online in the spring that I think will only wet people's um, appetite more to be able to return in the fall. 
Yeah, it's exciting. It is exciting. I mean, you know, and we've really um, taken this time to do a lot of um, internal reworking and restructuring, which is only going to make us a, a stronger organization when we come get through this. But really, the truth is, you know, we, we have we have to go back when people want to see live theater and people want to come to theater. And until it's safe, that's 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 the choice we have to make. And so we will you know, hunker down and do what we can to keep everybody engaged and, and get to the fall where we can get into production again. You know, and I think, you know, some of the, the things we've been able to do that I think is worth kind of shouting out here, Jasmine Roth in our education department, right? When we did the realness, she had it streamed into six different schools with 300 students watching and those actors going into doing workshops afterwards. And that's, a, and that's impressive, right? I mean, 300 students used to be a full student matinee for us. So for us to be able to continue that work in this time, uh, I think is impressive and the kind of thing we'll see even more of in the spring. Mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's gonna, we're gonna get stronger um, and continue to kind of engage folks digitally. It, uh, we, hey. We get it. It's not the same. We do. You know, um, we want to be on stage just like everybody wants to be back in the theater. But, um, you know, we'll get there. We'll absolutely get there. So now, now I know a lot of people have asked, like, what what can what can I do? Right. Like, I, I think when we announced this, nobody was shocked. You know what I mean? I think we all kind of knew something like this was coming. But a lot of people have asked, like, what what can I do? And so I just wanted to walk through really quickly what people could do. Um, so if you're watching this and you're a subscriber, actually the most meaningful thing that you can do if you have a subscription is to donate your subscription back to be able to say that, you know, I paid for it, but here's my year end donation to you. It's not even cash. You don't even have to send anything in. Just let us know either on our website or through our box office that you are donating your subscription back. Now, the cool thing is we've had several wonderful donors who have stepped up and offered us $250,000 if we can match it. And if you donate your subscription back, the amount that you paid goes towards that match, right? So it's a way to not only make a donation to us, but to really double your money in terms of what it is. And I feel like that's a a fantastic way to be able to help us. Now, if you also have... $50,000 at home. I don't want to stop you. That is also a way to be able to send in. And you know who you are if you're out there listening. But I think, you know, I hear from so many people who, you know, they're like, I'm not, I don't have the money to be able to give. And I even know for us in our, in our house, like we don't have the money to be able to donate, but we did at the beginning of the pandemic buy memberships and subscriptions. And so when those organizations contact us, we just say like, you know, keep it, use it, do what you can. And I feel like that makes such a huge difference to us to be able to have those in. It's very helpful. Absolutely. For sure. And if you're looking to how you can make an imprint within your community, I think we can't stress more that $5, $10, $25 goes a long way. I think that I just really love all of the attempts of the community that's rallying around so many different projects you see uh, that they have different um, price options to donate to different theaters and stuff. So just consider us also when you are looking to support, um, but also our entire theater community. It's just certainly a need at this time and how we survive this is through all of your help and all your contributions. So thank you. And I will tell you just one last thought. I know because you have to, you have other guests to get to, but um, 
people are sending in the nicest notes. I, you know, and those meaningful, keep it up. Thank you for, you know, keeping the theater together, waiting for until it's safe. Those encouraging, supportive notes, we read them. I mean, we tear up over them because it's it's really important. It's really important. I mean, you're the reason that we're like fighting to come back to live. And uh, when you send a word of encouragement and just a nice note, it it we all read it. It circulates through the whole company and everything. Oh, that was so sweet. <laughs> it matters. It does. I know. It's the truth. Well, and, you know, because the, the ultimate reason that any arts organization exists, right, is to be able to connect artists to its audience, you know? And so whenever we heal, hear from either of those groups to say, like, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you for doing this. I can't wait. It's like, oh, my God, somebody notices. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it, we're not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not. We're, I'm not just fighting to keep this alive because it happened to be the job I had in March. It's like, no, we're fighting to keep this alive because, like, we believe in it and we do it for you and we do it for the audience to be able to do it. You know, because we believe that Arizona deserves to have world class culture and we believe that Arizona can be a leader in the country and not the world. And we believe that every student and every school deserves arts education. And let's be honest, in our lifetime, it's if it's not us, it's not happening. So I think if you if you believe, you know, that shows like the realness that arts education should be a part of it, like that's what we're fighting for to be able to bring it back. So, yeah, when even when we get a ten dollar donation or, you know, people will turn their subscriptions back in and say, like, and I'm going to send you a little something. And you're like, oh, maybe maybe they're a rich you know millionaire. And then it's like, oh, they sent twenty dollars. And it's like it means just the same. It actually means that they're invested in terms of who we are. That's exactly right. And those twenty dollars add up. I got news for you. I mean, it's all about, I'm, t- I'm the business side of it and it's all about cash flow, cash flow right now, folks. I'm telling you. <laughs> and so those $20 add up, they absolutely do. And we appreciate every single dollar that comes to us. And, and, you know, we're being very uh, responsible and very frugal and we're, we're get we're going to, we're going to do this and we're, it's going to be exciting. I just envision the opening night. I, that's what's driving me at this moment is I, that's going to be one heck of a party. I'm telling you right now, because we're going to be dancing on stage, Sean. I, I re- it really should be like a very short show, whatever we do. <laughs> it should really just be like, you know, a, a curtain speech, like 20 minutes and then like a dinner, like, you know, because I mean, literally we're going to, well, you know, we've been waiting so long and, you know, it's always so emotional just to even go back into a theater and just be like, oh my God, this is what it is. This is the like sacred room that we used. It's to really true. When we were in the three of us, Chanel and Sean and I were in uh, filming. Remember when we were in the, th- in yeah. the yeah, we were in there and, you know, it was so kind of melancholy. You look around and go, man, I really miss this. I remember the last time we were here was the opening and closing of Georgia McBride. Yeah. And you and I were watching the show and we're like, do we really have to do this? Is this, do we really, you know, and then of course all hell broke loose. So yeah, we did, we did have to do that, but um, it is, it's, you miss it. You go into the empty theater and you go, man, I just can't wait to see it full of people. So. And we will, we'll be back there. I have no doubt. Yeah. We are doing well, our, on our Facebook feed, we just got some love from David Barker, uh, who said, it does hurt, but it's so best to be safe and that light is at the end of the tunnel. 
Aww. And so we thank you and we thank all, all of our patrons that have supported us, not only during this time, but who have supported us throughout the years. And we're not going anywhere. Nope. So we are excited to keep producing and to keep doing this thing that we all love so much. So thank you for your support. Absolutely. Thank you, David. All right. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being a part of it. And um, we'll thank move on. But thank you for everything that you're doing. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Now, we have an exciting lineup today. We, we do. <laughs> we Tell do. all about it. <laughs> So um, we have Brian Quijada and Reginald Douglas, who have been a wonderful powerhouse of a team that has been helping develop a, a new workshop called Somewhere Over the Border. We thought that you would love to see some of that work. But first, we want to show you a little bit of Brian's past work. So if we can turn off our cameras for a moment. She said she laid under a board with flowers on top in the back of a pickup truck to get through immigration. Why isn't there an Oregon Trail game that tells that story? I really like my theater class. I get to perform and dance. I love dancing, my father says, and playing my guitar. But will you see me getting paid for it? A singer? A dancer? I want to be an artist. Do you know how much hard work it took to get you here? I won't give you my blessing, and I never will. Let's get ready for the madness. Brian, we are going to kneel and pray. Eduardo, go get my Bible. Come on. Michael Jackson didn't study. And, and he was singing and dancing when he was my age. Shimona. MJ is my new god. <laughs> is it wrong to have an obsession with wanting a happier life and having happier dreams? Isn't it a bit extreme to deem a mass population of people rapists, murderers, and drug dealers based on the actions of a few? Tired of the news they're selling, saying anything they can to make it so compelling. It makes me feel like yelling, but instead I'll start spelling H O P E. When I was a kid. My dad would put me on his knee And he'd ask me What it was I dreamed to be Amazing. You are, I think you're muted. It isn't, <laughs> it isn't Zoom. <laughs> without that happening no he's so charismatic and wonderful to watch like such a joy you can feel the energy from you that package can. you definitely can well let's go ahead and bring them both out are they yes. here oh what's going on <laughs> now so so brian i just watched that video were you called sexy by the chicago sun times did I, <laughs> yeah yes did that now why why don't you lead with that i feel like that would be yeah 
<laughs> but, you know, I, you know, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to brag. Okay. <laughs> uh, but they did. I, I, I remember reading that and being like, wow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think I never realized that was a pull quote that they used. Uh, that's brilliant. It was my first time, I think, watching that trailer. I, I know. I was like, the rest of us get like, oh, it's competent. He's talented. Is like, oh, no, I see. Oh, Chicago Sun Times is really like. What? I was really lucky. I got to see that live many, 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 many times. <laughs> we did it. I did it at City Theater, which is where I met Reg. Oh. Back in. You've performed it all around the world. Well, Have you really? Well, all around the states, I guess. I, all around the states, I haven't left the U, the continental U.S. Yes, yes. yes. That, there you go. That's a, <laughs> Chanel and I are thinking big always. <laughs> always. Um, so, so, where where are you two zooming in from? Go ahead, I read. I'm in I'm in Washington D.C. Um, so I formerly worked at City Theater in Pittsburgh. Hi, Pittsburgh. I'm in Pittsburgh. Up, Pittsburgh. Um, very grateful for my time there, especially because I got to meet great artists like Brian, um, produced the play of Your Sean, The White Chip, which was one of the highlights of my time there. So just a lot of great love for Pittsburgh still. Um, but in January, right before things took a big turn, a pivot, um, or a pause, I moved to DC to become the Associate Artistic Director at Studio Theater. So still new plays, still contemporary stories, love of playwrights, love of the American theater. It's in a new city. So I'm in DC. Excellent, excellent. Love DC. Um, I can't wait to visit you in DC because it's such a, yeah, tearing, I think tearing it up with Reg in DC, it's such a great city. I know, so I went to college here and then Brian was doing a show at the Kennedy Center this last fall. Like it's crazy, that was a year ago. And I came down with some of my besties from Pittsburgh to come support that world premiere production. Um, and we that city we had a up. great time in DC. Yeah. So you all have to come visit now. We'll come. I'm a good host. I, I, I know places to go and things to see. You lay out a good spread. I do a good trip. <laughs> a good trip. <laughs> um, I'm in Iowa City, um, oh. which is where I went to school. Uh, I haven't been here in 10 years since I graduated, uh, but a friend of mine recently moved out here and there's really no reason for us to be in New York. Uh, mm -hmm. Considering, well, the, 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 our part, we, my, my partner and I lived in a studio apartment um, and it was getting, especially once the winter was coming, it was getting very difficult to be on Zoom calls. Uh, like one of us would have to go to the bathroom and that was embarrassing. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I also couldn't figure out my back, like, you know, like my backdrops or whatever. So a friend of mine uh, left New York. He was in a show called Sleep No More and moved back to Iowa City. We all went to school together, so. Uh, 10 years it's been a decade we met my, me and my wife met 10 years ago in this city so it's kind of like a nice thing we've been here for like a month uh so it's kind of um nice it's nice to be back here nostalgic and in a, in a weird way like a weird way to to remember this city um yeah. but, i love that you couldn't figure out backdrops so you went to iowa <laughs> <laughs> it, just makes, it just makes perfect sense that you're like, I don't know. It's like, is it supposed to be a beach behind me? I got to go, guys. We're I'll just take corn instead. I'll take That's corn. Right. That's, That's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
so can you tell us about your show Somewhere Over the Border? I, I can say why I love it, but first I would oh. love just for you to just give us like the brief synopsis of it and then I'll, and then I'll pile on the love. Uh, yeah, it's so what it is is um, it's the story, it's the real story of my mother leaving El Salvador, which was where she was born at the age of 16, leaving my oldest brother, um, Fernando, in El Salvador as a toddler uh, in search of the American dream, crossing the border. So through uh, El Salvador, Guatemala, all of Mexico, and then crossing the border into the States. Um, but it is also a mashup with Frank Albaum's The Wizard of Oz. So it's like a mix between, it's like how I describe it is, is it's like if Oh Brother Were Out Thou, like it's what Oh Brother Were Out Thou did in Mississippi 1937, right. uh, we're doing, you know, that was an, Oh Brother Were Out Thou was an adaptation of the Odyssey, so we're kind of doing that '70s Central America with a Wizard of Oz backdrop, you know, backdrop. And you know what? I I feel like I've always loved your writing, but I feel like this is the next level for you. Like, I, <laughs> oh man, I, it's nice of you to say. No, I just feel like, I mean, like you've always been entertaining. You've always, you know, papers have always thought you're sexy. And I feel like that's been a part of it. But this feels like. You're never going to live that down. No, never, never. But I, I feel like just the craft of doing it. And then I think like it's like it's your mom's story, right? Yeah. And I feel like the, the trap of most kind of honest family stories, right, is that people tell these stories and act like they are. Um, really charming people that a series of unfortunate events happened to, which I guess perhaps is how the majority of us see our lives. And and real, and but your play doesn't do that. Your play really wants to dive in and say like, it's um, it's scary and messy across the board for everybody who is put in this situation and nobody makes the right decision. And it's also, it's a, you know, it's a mother son story, right? About like, mm -hmm. really, who are we and who we're his family? And that I feel like you tackle that in such a way with such finesse and such love for your mom, but also like just an honest look at what, you know, the hard choices that we make for family. And I feel like that's why in uh, your writing has always been about your family, but I feel like this one, you're, you're going to a next level in terms of not just commenting, but really sharing the whole world with us in a way that I feel like few writers can. Well, that's very sweet of you to say, uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, it's, uh, it, it does, in a lot of ways, it does feel, uh, it feels, it feels new. It feels new. It feels like a different, like a, a, a leveling up for me of, of, you know, working on a musical that's, uh, you know, it feels like uh, in, within the, the, the realm of the, you know, the classic American musical formula. Um, right. Um, but it's, it's, so in that way, it's kind of formulaic, right? And but but also it it's it it carries such you know a personal. I, I say that it's uh, my solo show that trailer that 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 to the, my solo show. Where do we sit on the bus? It's like it's sister project. The first line of that um, of that trailer is she, they say she laid under a board covered with flowers on top, mm -hmm. and that's how she crossed the border. And it's it, it feels like a sister project, right? There, it's in that kind of laying it on the line here's here's my here's my, here's the my personal here's my personal story here's the story of my mom and the, the the hardship of of what it meant for her to to cross the border and leave her son in for 10 years you know it's um i appreciate you saying that it's it's it, it is to totally personal and um i think that's why it's really special 
Well, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but like you, like you don't just also glorify your mom. You really talk about the tough choices that she had to make mm-hmm. and what does it mean? And I feel like that's for any of us that are parents, right? It's just like, there's, it, there's no way to win in those situations. So oh, you're yeah. just trying to do the best day by day. And I feel like that, that's what, you know, it, it, that's where my heart goes to when I read it, because like you're, you're portraying her as a real person. Totally. There, you know, somebody asks her in the play, like, how could you leave your son like that? Like, how could you leave your son as a small child? You know, it, which is, I still, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, I guess that's the drive, right? The, that, that, that the sacrifice meant more, you know, his safety meant more than the, than the lost time that she actually ended up having with her son, but where, you know, she comes back. I mean, if, if, if you talk to my parents now, or my, my parents and, and my, my, my oldest brother, they have a very, it's a strange relationship, right? My brother was raised by my grandmother and mm-hmm. uh, it's a very, it's, it's, it's totally different than the relationship I have with my mother. Um, sweet and amazing, in it, but in a different way. Um, yeah. That's so, so true. Well, I was going to say, so Reg, when you receive this piece and you're like, okay, I'm going to direct this. And the first time that you read it, like what were, what was going through your mind? No, that's actually good. So we've never told this story really. We've like done some of these kind of interviews, but we've never told this story. And you're both directors. I sought out this project, which is interesting because Brian and I, we got to know each other really well in Pittsburgh and kind of became like instant friends. Like we shared an artistic sensibility, also like a social sensibility, um, a political sensibility. And it was January in Pittsburgh and Brian was doing a solo show. And so (laughs) our staff adopted him. It was like, you can't sit in the housing in the winter alone. We will host you always. And so our whole um, you know, staff adopted Brian and then like me and our friend Jenna and Claire and Ryan, we really became super tight. We hung out like every day um, because Brian also had done the show before. So it was like a week of rehearsal, you know, a really fiscally conscious producing choice of like, what if you come and just do tech? <laughs> no, it was. It's just it's putting up the show. You know, it's just it putting was really. Sean, you've been very proud of me, man. It was really good producing. I was like, and what if you start with like a sumat, <laughs> like <Right>. every week? <laughs> Do like twenty shows a week <laughs> with no rehearsal, <laughs> and we'll take you to restaurants and get you free food. Um, that's what we did. But we hung out all the time, and I remember when Brian uh, got the offer from the Pittsburgh CLO a wonderful company um, in downtown Pittsburgh, about 10 minutes from where City Theater is in Southside. I was just super pumped for him. And I wanted to read the play in all honesty, because I thought it'd be really cool for City Theater. You know, a play, a, our company was committed to new work, committed to plays that really do that really special thing that the political is personal, the personal is political, and a human narrative about the world we live in, in a wholly new, interesting, unique way, the way only great writers can. So it was like perfect. Um, and it was five people. I was like, what is this? What could this be? And I read it and I was just blown away. You know, it was such a great mix of different musical genres. Um, I right away, like, I think, you know, I'm a new play lover and a new play director at my core. And so I always am curious about the world a play is setting up. Um, and those moments when I fall out of the play, which is, like, oh, there's development opportunity there. Oh, there's a thing there. There's a question still there. And we went to lunch. I kind of invited Brian to lunch and was like, what if we just talk about your play or your musical? And I had my city theater hat on more than my director hat. 
But over the course of that lunch, it really shifted from just two friends, one of whom worked at a theater company, to a director talking to a writer about structure and about story and about song and style and bonding in a different way about our family dynamics and our love of art. We were talking a different conversation than two friends or a producer and player. We started to have a director playwright conversation. And so I was just thrilled when Brian was like, yeah, I want to ask CLO if you can direct it. And they were like, yeah, and he's local. Cool. Have fun. Um, and it's one of the most special projects I've had the chance to work on, you know, and I, I say I direct everything for Lucille, who's my mom. And it's exactly what you're saying, Sean, you know, I do every project I think about comes right back to her, her seeing herself on stage in a world that doesn't often allow her to, um, the truth of her story, which that's is so right. often told as trauma alone. And that's not the real black experience mm -hmm. or the real BIPOC experience. There's so much joy. And you meet Brian in the 20 minutes, you've just known him. You, all you get is joy. You get joy. And I think the play is beautifully, yes, a story about um, the struggle, but it's also about survival. We're able to stand here now and look back and reflect on how we got to where we are. And that's the story that I want to tell for my mom and for the moms I know and for the communities that I know. So it was a project I sought out and like held on tight to, um, and I'm thrilled that Sean was able to say, hey, would you come play with us in Arizona? Sean being someone I've respected and, and admired and called a friend and a colleague. And then when you came along, Sean, I was like, I'm, I'm <laughs> I'll stay in this Zoom forever. You <laughs> in this Zoom forever. So very grateful um, to be a director on the piece, but also just a collaborator and a friend watching this piece develop and watching Brian's voice develop. I completely agree with you, Sean. So yeah. uh, that's beautiful. And I, I want to just ask you a thousand questions about your mother. So just real quickly, like, <laughs> like who is she? Where is she? Like, who well, is I grew she? up in Long Island. My mom, she, she, she's proud of her age now. I, she was born in 1950, Alabama. And so like, I, it blows my mind. My mom drank from segregated water fountains, small town, Alabama. And I said at the beginning of many first rehearsals, almost all basically, I, I say this mantra that in a world that so often talks about my death, we are in this room right now to tell stories that celebrate and affirm my life mm -hmm. and a life that she could not have imagined for me. And I think that's the same thing for, for Raina. It's like a life you could not have imagined in this country that is built on potential built on promise. It's built on the ability to make hope actualized. Um, we get closer some days, we get further away from it some days, but that potential is what made that 1950 black woman in Alabama go to college the first in her family. She moved to New York with my father. They had two kids. She was a corporate executive. She sacrificed single mother, putting me through private school, like getting me to Georgetown. Like all these dreams, all the pursuit of that American dream and to have your son realize it for himself by telling stories that affirm our community's existence. Mm. Like this is unfathomable. Um, and so she doesn't have Facebook, but so she won't, she, won't, she, knows, she knows I'm saying this because I say it all the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we get to tell stories every day, all four of us on this stage, you know, that celebrate life in a world that so often feels dark and led by, um, death in all kinds of forms. My mom is a great example, Raina in the play, and in real life is a great example of life, strength, survival, joy. 
um, in the midst of pain. And so that's Lucy. <laughs> I'm about to go call my mama. <laughs> right yeah, don't call your mama, everybody. <laughs> call my mama. <laughs> um, but I'm glad that you keep mentioning the mother connection, obviously, because it is her journey. But that is what I took away from when I read it. Even though it wasn't my journey, I saw my mom, single parent mom, struggling with three kids, working it out for us and providing this future. And so anyway, it's just so wonderful how much your work connects with anyone that reads it. And I'm just really grateful, really grateful we get to help. Well, yeah, and I'm also incredibly grateful to y'all. It's, it's, it's an incredible opportunity. And, and, and also, you know, we've been having such a, a, a good time rehearsing it in this, this crew, this cast is, is incredibly generous and uh, a bunch of changes that have happened, just new songs. I mean, like it's, it's been such a, a whirlwind and also such a joyride. Um, and you know, complicated. You know, it's like working on a musical over Zoom is is. I mean, we're I'm doing, I mean, but it is a lot. It's 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 tough and complicated. But I'm very very grateful for you know how ready people are to dive in and 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 supportive uh, they've been. So so I don't I don't know that our audience knows a lot about developing musicals. Like what like just less interesting than our mom, but just on a technical talk, like what, what is, what does that mean? Like you're writing new songs, you're, you're tossing songs out. Like how does the process go? Yeah. I mean, so yes. So the, so the play isn't super, I mean, it's like, I've been wanting to write this. I've been wanting to write the piece for a long time. Ever since my mom told me the story, like that I sat, there was like a moment where, where I, I was just like, mom, you need to tell me Fernando has a different dad, right? So my oldest brother, the one that she left in El Salvador, he's a different dad. And one day I was, it was in between shows and I was just like, I got like three hours to kill. Uh, Mom, I need you to, I need this story because you, you gotta ask. I mean, I'm at a point where, where I don't want them to, it's like, I don't want them to leave and have any stories untold, you know? Mm. Um, so uh, I asked and, and um, Somebody, so, uh, a good friend of mine, Jim Wren, who runs the MFA program at uh, UNCG, uh, UNC at Greenbr in Greensboro, said, hey, do you want to come write a play? And I'm like, okay. And I, pu I pumped it out the first draft in seven days, like music, everything. Isn't that crazy? Wow. And, uh, I, well, I just had it in, right? Like I had been festering on this story and, and like the music, like the cumbia, the music of my, of my mm. country, you know, my parents' country. And, uh, and you know, I'd been sitting on this mute that had been sitting on the mute, like the idea of the music and the, and the play for a long time. So it just kind of came out. And then CLO, where Reg jumped on, was the first kind of with uh, age appropriate actors and, you know, uh, uh, and, and was the first like, you know, workshop where everybody was a singer, right? We worked it with like MFA students, some couldn't sing, you know, some <laughs> different gender bending and, and, and blah, 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 blah. And so this is the kind of, third workshop or second workshop kind of uh, and and uh, what, what I loved about those initial conversations that we had with Reg is, is trying to make trying to uh, Reg, Reg was just like where's your I want song where's your like you know I want to go where the people are and that was that was amazing I was like that kind of knowledge of, of the, the uh, American musical form, I, I don't have, because I, you know, I don't, I don't know what, I'm, I, this is like my first attempt to try to write a musical like this. And so, so that was, so it was leaning into that kind of, uh, leaning into the form and writing songs that kind of formulaically should fit in those spaces. Um, 
uh, like drawing out in, in this version of, of this musical, my grandmother, my mother's mother, right, is we've been leaning into her being the witch, right? The one who doesn't want her to go, the one who like mm-hmm. uh, sends, you know, you know, energies to go and stop her, you know, uh, uh, and so it was leaning into what is the, what is the, what is the song of the antagonist, you know, and how do we skillfully then flip her to be a grandmother again, you know, it's, 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 it's so it's been a, a lot of uh, leaning into what the form is and, and um, all in the sake of, you know, creating a good, good, fully rounded uh, making a uh, story that makes sense and uh, has emotional arc. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 the, some of these songs too are, are were just, <laughs> the, the first number I reworked right here, because I, I wanted it to, to be a cumbia, um, which is a, it's very specific regionally. Uh, mm-hmm. And I also wanted to make sure that as she moves from El Salvador through Guatemala and through Mexico, that the, that the music follows yes. where she is regionally right that the music kind of of that of that location follows it um so it's been that it's been just paying more attention to the details is is been what what the the rewriting has process has been like for me i don't know right i mean all that and yes and i think brian as a collaborator is a super fast writer and worker and trusts his gut in a way that's always thrilling as a director as a collaborator just to have a writer who says, let's try and give me an hour, you know? And so we were in Pittsburgh. He wrote the I Want song. The musical theater kid in me was like, where's the 11 o'clock number? <laughs> yeah. He wrote the 11 o'clock number like that night. We were in like the room, like the hangout, like in the hotel room before we went to dinner. And he's like, give me a give me the guitar. And it's just, I mean, it's amazing how fast uh, Brian's able to turn out ideas that feel fully formed. You know, they don't feel like rough cuts. They feel like here's the dramaturgically sound answer. And it often is. Um, and then we have this great dramaturg, Kristen Leahy, who's able to also offer a new perspective. And we kind of hash it out, the three of us, and go, well, maybe it's this one word that's off. And it's not the, it's a. Uh. I mean, so that level of detail. And then macro things like adding in an act break. We added an intermission uh, throughout the last workshop. Uh, ATC, to everyone out there, and the spirit of really supporting artists, Sean and Chanel were like, we think you need two workshops. Now I work at a theater company all day and I was like, you just think that <laughs> and are gonna do that? <laughs> like, well, but it's because what they're doing with the support and with their resources, really investing it in artists and the needs of making the best work. And so we were able to have the time to really focus on the work. And then this upcoming week, we'll focus on recording it and be able to share it with all of you. But because we had that time, uh, we were able to say, oh, maybe this isn't 90 minutes straight through. Maybe it's an hour and then 30 minutes. And that break can let us shift dramaturgical shifts, you know, musical shifts. And we added a number the day of the final workshop. And our amazing actors were like, okay, give me an hour. So we've been really fortunate, you know, to have a great composer and book writer, but also the most game team of actors and then like above and beyond supportive producers so it's been an embarrassment of riches well thank you and we're also thankful that one of our very own johanna carlisle 
And Zabela is one of the uh, cast members of Somewhere Over the Border. So she's been showing y'all love in the Facebook chat this whole time. So, so just, you know, for people that don't know the show or don't know Brian, like what's the elevator pitch of like why they should watch when this comes out? Listen, there's not enough adaptations of The Wizard of Oz, okay? <laughs> there isn't. I know that there's Wicked, and I know that there's The Wiz, and the actual Wizard of Oz, but um, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, this is, this is Brown Dorothy. This is the, this is the, this is the Central American Dorothy. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is, it is, um, it's, you know, it's filled with the, it's filled with a lot of people's music. You know, it's, it's, uh, my, I grew up on hip hop and, uh, and so, you know, the, the, it is infused with kind of a, a, um, an, Amer- an American hip hop lens that, of watching this. Um, so the music I think is, is something that's really exciting, but it's, it's also the joy of, you know, the wink as you watch the, the, as you watch it of like, that's the scarecrow or like, you know, oh, that, oh that's Toto, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's those little winks, that little fun, along the way of, of connecting it with a story that we all were raised by, you know? It's a very, um, it's like the most American story. Can we just talk for a moment though, the importance of representation? And the reason why that I love that connection to Dorothy is just like when I read A Blade So Black, which was, you know, a black um, central character being oh. Alice, right? Or like mm-hmm. there was a theater here that did um, Curiouser and Curiouser, which was an interactive experience. And yet they made the person that was going through the experience Alice. So they went to different people that played Alice throughout. And on all of the walls, they had Alice Latina, Alice Black, Alice White. And I was like, it's so important for little girls, little black girls like me to see ourselves reflected in art. So to be able to use The Wizard of Oz, which is a story that we all love and know so well, but to be able to connect it and it truly works. Like it really works. Like I read your play in one sitting, like I didn't even get up. I was just sitting at my desk and before I knew it, I was done because I was fully invested because of the familiarity, but then mm-hmm. seeing like, oh my God, how important it is to hear. Then I heard the cumbia music, which is from my neighborhood. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. I'm sold. So I think about that a lot, you know, obviously as a person of color, but I think about it as our actual the real work we do as artists is I always say we're in the business of empathy. And so I think there's power in seeing yourself in your neighbor. It allows you to better understand the world you live in, the ways that we are in this together. I really believe, I have to believe, you know, that we are more alike than we are different in our specificity. We see our families, we see the hope, we see the struggle, we see the joy. Um, and so I, I, I Yes, yes, and to everything you said. And, and I think it's what makes this piece so special is it is both an homage and a love letter to all that makes us American. Mm. The pain of our history that we all have, we all feel uniquely in different ways, but also the really active hope that we could achieve our dreams and watch our neighbor thrive and survive. And that, that actually is what we can do in the theater is we can tell stories that allow us to both honor our past and find a new future together. Like that is a dream job and we get to do that. Um, and I hope for audiences, you get to be a part of experiencing that, that empathy, that understanding that they may look different, 
They may sound different, speak a different language sometimes, or have an accent, but their heart beats just like yours. Mm-hmm. And maybe that perspective might shift someone to see themselves in someone they never thought they would. Um, that's what makes me go to work every day. That's why I click the link. And so I hope that that's what people take from this show as well. Yes. 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 Are you hitting the wall? Is that like, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. the neighbors can hear. There's, there's <laughs> Iowa. Yeah. Wake up, Iowa. It's time for the show to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, uh, you're, you're all very kind to like say that like you were, we're great producers and that you're happy to be here. We are just grateful to be able to support this piece in any way that we can. You know, you, um, you come across, you come across a play and you think like, all right, we should probably do this at some point. And you come across other plays that you think like, we have to do this tomorrow. <laughs> like we have to like, you know, we're, we're stewards of organizations that reflect our community and create conversation in our community. And I just think, you know, we don't have a large commissioning program, so we don't have things in the pipeline to be able to do that. And then I read this and I was like, no, 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 this is, this is the play for Arizona. This is a, an Arizona story for people to be talking about, to be able to do. And so I'm just grateful for all of you for, for letting us, you know, borrow you all and your work for a brief moment to be able to, you know, share this story. Because I think, you know, it's, a, it's an American story. And Arizona is by far, I, in my mind, like the central heart of the country at this moment. You know, it is, mm. it is a state that is trying to figure out exactly who it is and where it is going and what does it believe and what does it support? And I feel like that struggle is, is real and, and plays like this start the conversation in ways. And really one of our values is conversation. And so to your point, like, wouldn't it be great to see people that look like you having a different experience or people that don't look like you having the same experience and be able to say like, Oh, that brings us all a bit more together. And I feel like this play does that gorgeously. You're gonna make me cry, Sean. I know. I was like, that's my partner, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have a tradition here on Hang and Focus Live where we ask all of our guests for one word, one word that you can think of that summarizes where you are in this moment, in this time and space. What would that word be for you? Let you both take a moment to think about it. Oh gosh. I, I walked in exhausted. But I'm leaving feeling pretty exhilarated. Like, I've, I'm so grateful for this conversation. And also because I consider the three of you friends. So it's like great to be with yeah. friends talking about yeah. art. So I feel exhilarated today, like now. Great. Great. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, 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 well, same, same. I think like, you know, two weeks ago, I would have said fatigued, I think. Or like, you know, or like last month, I think during the like, election, I was just like fatigued. But um, I, my word is ready. Um, I'm ready for this vaccine. I'm ready for us to like get in, in a room together. I'm ready for people to, to start listening and checking out somewhere over the border. I'm ready to, 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 to get back and, and, and see the crew of the, you know, see the cast for the second workshop when we record it. Um, ready. Yes. I love We're it. ready for another review to call you sexy. I, I hear I you. I hear you, Brian. Oh. So, so good, Chanel. The third time. You have to get it in the I really appreciate you bringing it back at the end. Just so yeah, it works. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for being on our show. It's it's an honor. And I can't wait to share this with our audience yes. and with everybody anywhere. So thank you all so much. 
Awesome. Thank you both. Thank you so much for having us. Um, I feel like we should just have them on the show every week. Can we do that? I mean, that? <laughs> truly. No, they're so much fun. And I feel like I felt that energy too in the room during the first rehearsal when I just sat in, like, listened to everybody read for the first time and hear them talk about, like, why they love this, the place so much. So, yeah, it was good. And I left, I'm leaving feeling energized. I mean, it's been a long work week. We've, we've had some things this week. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it's so funny. We, uh, we were in our workshop for Color My World over the weekend. So it's actually been like a 12-day week. So I, I'm pretty exhausted. And then we get to the end and I'm like, oh, but this is why. This is why. This is why we do it all here. So I'm definitely leaving energized also. Uh, what else you want to tell us about is going on? Well, so uh, as we close, we are so excited just to tell you a little bit more about our partnership that we have going on with Mesa Community College and the Theater and Film Arts program. So we are officially doing the Corona Logs, um, which is an exploration of identity, culture, and well-being during COVID-19. So what is great about this collaboration is Ruth Farber and I, um, about, I would say, mid-COVID, right, we happen to be a part of this space where we were, were trying to cope with what was going on, how we felt. It was a nice to like get in a room and be around people. It was before Zoom fatigue became a real thing. Um, it was the early stages. And we just got together and dreamed in, in our in artistic and creative ways. And so from that spurned the idea of maybe we should do like some sort of chronicling of what's going on. And then the Corona logs got thrown around, like maybe we should produce that or, or create something. And so they went dormant for a little bit as we both had things going on. But then when we were looking to make a, a quality partnership and collaboration with Americopa Community Colleges, then Ruth contacted me and I talked to her and she's like, what should we do? And it was, it was like anything was on the table at that point. And I was like, why don't we do the Corona logs? And so she was game and it turned very quickly. Kevin Dressler, who is the professor that taught that um, that class period, and they were able to get lots of different students from across the campus to come in and film and talk about this beautiful um, resilience of our spirits at this time with what's going on in the world. And so the Chronologues is literally chronicling just that with these students. And it's multi-generational, lots of different stories. Um, some that talk about our frontline workers, some that just talk about um, being young people existing in this time. And so I think if you're interested tonight, if it is on Facebook um, and you can, again, thank you so much, Will Rogers. Everyone is fantastic in helping us with the, with the uh, visual aids today. Um, you can go to mesacc.edu slash arts, or you can go to their Facebook page and look for tickets. Um, it starts at 7.30 tonight and you will not be disappointed. Amazing. Also coming up, we have our hashtag enough, which is with our ATC teens, and it is placed in gun violence. We are so proud of our ATC teens in representing us um, on a national Broadway on demand platform. So really excited about that. So we hope that you tune in. Um, and all that's left today is our call board. So I think we're going to turn off our cameras and give it on over to Will. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Great, thank you. This is your call board for December 11th through the 17th. Let's head on over to the Giving Corner and see what development has in store for us. Hi everybody, it's Paula Taylor, your Chief Development Officer here at Arizona Theatre Company. I'm sure by now you've heard the sad news that we have to postpone our 54th season even further. 
This is due to the COVID-19 rise in cases and also the restrictions from the unions in response to that rise. So we're all working together to keep our communities safe. It's the right thing to do. And although we're disappointed, we feel confident that we will return stronger than ever, but in a healthy way. The work doesn't stop on our end. Uh, the artistic team is busy creating digital projects, musicals that will inspire your passion for theater. And us on the administrative end, those of us who are fundraising, our campaign continues. And the good news is our Bring Us Back to Life campaign has ra raised over $150,000 and it's not stopping. Although this has been challenging, so many of our subscribers have asked how they can help. And one of the most meaningful ways a subscriber can help, if they're able, is to turn back their subscription and turn it into a year-end donation. You'll receive a tax receipt from us and a lot of extra perks, some access to exclusive digital content, a discount when you renew your subscription when our 54th season resumes. Now we understand not everybody can do that. And we understand not everybody can make a donation, but please know if you're able to share the information, talk to people and continue to be a brand ambassador, you're helping to support live theater in Arizona. And as your state theater, it's so meaningful for us to know that you're out there supporting us. We're not going anywhere, we're working hard, and we can't thank you enough for all your help. And I promise, we will see you at the theater soon. Let's head on over to the Education Station and see what's happening in the Department of Learning and Education. Hi, my name is Rourke Polzin, and I'm an ATC Teen member and production manager on the ATC Teen Student Council. And today I'm here with all your upcoming ATC Teen events for the month of December. To start us off, we will release a staged reading of Zoe Stat's War Against Gun Violence, a play that she wrote as a submission for the Hashtag Enough playwriting competition. We are producing this and I'm actually in it and it will be released on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube on December 9th. On December 13th, we have our community panel. This will feature teen activists from all over the state of Arizona. And we will be responding to Malcolm and talking about the issues of gun violence and police brutality. This will be at five o'clock on our Facebook page. On December 14th, our play Malcolm will be released along with the six other shows that Hashtag Enough is producing on Broadway On Demand. These will stream through the 20th and Broadway On Demand is free to sign up for. So make sure sign up now, get ready to watch it. I'm excited. Um, on December 19th at one o'clock, we are having an ATC Teen watch party for all seven shows. This will be over Zoom and you can sign up at the ATC Teen part of our website to come and watch with us. On also on the 19th at three o'clock, we have Creatives in Conversation. Um, join the cast and creative team as we reflect back on the entire project of producing Malcolm and what we've learned from the process. 
And then to close us off, we have the December 20th, the last day to watch Malcolm and the other six shows on Broadway On Demand. So if you haven't watched by it, then make sure and do that on your last day. That is your month of December. I'm excited. Thanks for watching and have a great day.